For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, this is former NFL tight end Clay Harbor coming to you with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy sports app that's super fun. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a few clicks. And with the Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stays in play if your player gets injured in the first half and does not return in the second. Crazy, right? Go to prizepicks.com slash believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, and enter code B-L-E-A-V for your first deposit match up to $100. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Cletus Coffee, and you are listening to episode number three with nine-year NFL veteran J.J. Burden. Welcome to The Recovering Athlete. I am Cletus Coffee, a former professional and world champion athlete. If you're like me, your success on the field as an athlete did not translate over to success in life off the field. In fact, I've struggled for years. The purpose of the show is to let you know you're not alone. We are bringing you current and former athletes, coaches, and other inspiring people and messages to help you recover the high you once had as an athlete and learn how to align it with today's world of entrepreneurship, career, relationships, health and wellness, and beyond. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with me. Now let's dive in and learn how other athletes have made this transition and are making a much greater impact off the field. Here we go. Episode number three. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you being here. And for those of you who have already listened to episode one and two, uh, as I launch this, I really appreciate it. The comments, the feedback, uh, the emails that I've been getting about other athletes who have had similar challenges in transitioning from being an athlete. And that's all you ever were and ever who you thought you were and how you, how you, you know, you trained to be an athlete. And have struggled in that transition to life after sports. So I always knew I was not alone. So I appreciate you chiming in with your stories. Uh, I'm here to help. So please reach out to me how I can support you uh, along this journey. Uh, I'd love to help participate. Now, in this episode, the stakes are getting a bit higher. Now, who I have joining me here uh, on this episode is is J.J. Burden. He's a nine-year NFL veteran and he's played with, with various teams in the NFL. But, you know, JJ and I first met years ago in Oregon through the track and field community, which is really how he launched himself into sports. But it also goes to show you the dynamic athlete that he is. He was a world-class track and field athlete. But ultimately, the opportunity came for him to join the NFL, and he took advantage of it. And the guy really has not slowed down since. And as, as you're going to listen in our interview here, we really just – I want to give you a sense of him as an athlete, and he does a fantastic job telling some uh, some great stories about how he got into the league, how he sustained in in the NFL, and then what ultimately what happened afterwards. But there's a reoccurring theme that he actually identified with, and this is one of those first steps that really I I like to take athletes through uh, to transition to that next step is self awareness, and he understood that. 
when opportunities uh, you know popped up, he took advantage of them. And in fact, he wrote a book called When Opportunity Knocks, Eight Surefire Ways to Take Advantage. And this is a guy who has taken advantage of opportunities. He is he's not the biggest guy. You would not think that uh, his small frame could not only play in the league but sustain nine years, but he did, and he was extremely successful. So I am super grateful for, for JJ to come on and, and share his story with you and insight now he's made the transitions and the fails he went, uh, failures that he had and, and embraced and learned from and uh, ultimately brought him to the place where he is now and successful in his own business, relationships, family, and beyond. So I'll let JJ tell his stories. We make this very conversational. We just, in fact, from the very beginning, we just dive right in. So uh, let's do that. Enjoy the conversation. Fill me in. So, so being up here in the Northwest and, and being in, you know, a lover of track and field, uh, you know, I knew you, you know, running at Oregon and then, and then uh, obviously your, your ventures in the NFL, but the name JJ Burden is pretty synonymous here in the, in the Pacific Northwest with track and field. But I know more people across the country will know you as the football player. So man, just, for for those that remember JJ Burden and and have followed you you know through your your career uh, and remember you, uh, fill us in, man. Where are you at now? What what's JJ Burden up to? Yeah, JJ Burden now is living in Arizona. <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously from Portland, Oregon. I love Oregon. I was just there last week. I can't believe how much Portland has changed. With all the the, the 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 development and the community in Northwest Portland, but yeah, I live in Arizona, and um, it's funny though too because, like you said, many people know me more from my NFL career, but it was track and field where my heart is, and to this day, I prefer watching track than football. But it's just funny how things worked out. Where you know, I was dream of dreaming of making the Olympics and. And ended up getting hurt in the Cleveland Browns mini camp and tore up my ACL. And clearly, that's why I ended up playing football. <laughs> I couldn't run track. I got hurt. So I said, let's give NFL a try. And I ended up playing nine years. So it wasn't in the plans, but I definitely took advantage of the opportunity. So before these, before the, the modern day uh, Marquise Goodwins and these guys who are doing in the Olympic years are starting to prepare and, and hone their their track and field skills, you were out there doing it. I mean, you were one of the originals. Yeah, I was. And, and it's funny when you mention guys like them, I, I admire them. I, I'm, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm excited to see the dual sport athletes, but, um, but yeah, I was, when I went to Oregon, I was there for track. I got a track scholarship, although I was a good high school football player and all state and all that, but at five, nine, 133 pounds, there weren't any college teams or schools that felt I could play division one. And I kind of took it as an insult. You know, I was like, no, I'm a D one athlete. So, but Oregon was the one school who didn't balk at the idea of like me walking on one year. And I remember Bill Dillinger, the head coach, John Gillespie, they said, hey, you run track the first year. We'll do what we can to help you get a chance to walk on for the Ducks. And so that was one of the reasons why I went to Oregon, obviously the track tradition. And, and, and they held true to their word. The second year, I, I bugged Rich Brooks to death. Let me walk on. Let me walk on. And he finally said yes and invited me to camp. And the rest was history. But I ended up doing both sports for the remaining years at Oregon. And as I said earlier, 
I, I qualified for the 1988 Olympic trials and the long jump. So that was my focus. It was all track and field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what did, what did springtime look for look like for you? Running back oh, and forth. Man. <laughs> well, you know what, Cletus? Back when I, I was one of the first athletes, dual sport athletes, who did not have to do spring ball. Okay. Today you won't hear that. They have the track athlete who's also playing football. They have to do both. Like Devin Allen, for instance, he had to go to spring ball and then go to track practice. But I had it worked out with the coaches that I only did spring ball one time at Oregon. And that's very rare for a guy who played four years for the Ducks and started two years. And that was my redshirt year in track. So it worked out really well. I couldn't imagine with the guys today, because as you know, it's hard to do both simultaneously. But um, but yeah, it worked out really well. We had a nice agreement. So I only did spring ball one time at the, at, for the Ducks. You know, I just went to uh, the Huskies spring camp towards the end. And, you know, although the NCAA puts limit as to how much time they can spend out there, uh, I can't imagine how they had time to do anything other than football. They're in the weight room. They're on the field. Uh, they're in the classroom. Uh, you know, and, and that's that's their spring. Yeah, yeah, and that was my whole year. You know, you in the fall and winter. You're training for track. You know, you're in class. You're going to track practice. You know, you eat. You're studying at the library. And then when track was over, you know, excuse me, it was football first. And then when football was over in the fall and winter, then I went right into track. So there was never a break. And I always tell young athletes who are thinking of doing two sports in college, I say, hey, understand this. Your full commitment has got to be academics and then athletics, but you will not have a break. So you better be disciplined and focused on doing what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then Oregon, and you stayed through your senior year, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So your senior year rolls around. The draft comes. Did, did you anticipate being drafted? I mean, did you work out? Did you go to the combine? And did they even have combines back then? Yeah, they get, yeah, actually they did. You know, it's not what it is today where it's like, it's like a show. It's like the Oscars, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I was kind of this mystery track guy who could catch the football. It was, it was really weird. I was one of the late invites to the combine. I remember when I got a letter, I was like, What's the combine? I didn't even know what the combine was. And, and I remember going to the combine and I thought, well, let me go check it out. And I was, so I remember sitting there at a table with um, Michael Irving, or not Michael Irving, Sterling Sharp, Tim Brown, Aaron Cox, you know, Anthony Miller, all these top wide receivers who went in the first round. And I was like, okay, what am I doing here? I was terrified, but, but you know, they test you on your speed. I can do that. Jumping ability. I can do that. Catch the ball. So I, I had a pretty good combine, but I was never convinced I was going to get drafted. I just really didn't foresee it. And I can recall when I didn't have an agent, Coach Rich Brooks said, you need an agent. I was like, why? You need an agent. And I remember him calling a guy, Frank Bauer, who was the agent for Chris Miller and Anthony Newman. And as a favor, he, he took me on and he says, you're going to get drafted. And I, was, I wasn't even convinced. I remember the first day of the draft, I was arguing with him. I said, I'm not getting drafted in the first five rounds. I'm going to class. <laughs> so I went to class. <laughs> and then the next day I go, I'm not getting drafted today. And we went back and forth. So I said, okay, I'll just stay put. 
But to my surprise, I got a call from the head coach, Marty Schottenheim for the Cleveland Browns. He goes, eighth round, Cleveland Browns, kid. We just drafted you. And I was like, who is this? It's Marty Schottenheimer. i like, who? Head coach of the Cleveland Browns. We just drafted you. And I was like, oh, so this is really happening. I mean, it really totally caught me off guard. But um, And I remember after that, they were asking me, and this is what was interesting, Cleveland, they said, we need you to come out now. We want you to you know, drop out of school and start getting ready. And I was like, I'm in the middle of my track season. I just, I'm Pac-10 champion. I'm going to Nationals and Olympic trials. I remember thinking for that moment, there's no way I'm going to drop out and quit. Um, so, but I did go to the rookie camp that next week and Bill Dillinger, the head coach, he goes, okay, don't do any of the drills. You know, you're going to win Pac-10s. You can win Nationals. you got a shot for the trials. Don't do the drills. And I said, Bill, I never get hurt at these things. Mm. Well, that was the wrong thing to say because the third practice, I tore up my ACL. And that was the end of my track career. Wow. No way. <laughs> Just That's like that. went down in rookie camp. In rookie camp, three-day mini camp, you know. And I had two really good practices. And then the third practice, I was – I beat a guy on a fade route wide open, quarterback underthrew it. I planted my knee and just, and right away I knew it. I mean, I knew this is bad. And, um, and it was, it was a tough moment. And, and I wasn't even thinking clearly about football. I was thinking about, I don't get to finish the season with the ducks. I don't get to, you know, see if I could go 27, see if I could run 13. I mean, I don't get, that was the biggest thing that, that's all I was thinking about, and I was crushed for a while. But, but as you learn more about me, I'm a positive guy. Positive people they they see the bright side of anything. And it was like, okay, one doorway of opportunity closes, another one opens up, and that's when I turn my attention to the NFL. Mm -hmm. And you spent nine years in the league. Nine years, yeah. I mean, and you followed Marty. Marty, you followed Marty around, didn't you? Yeah, sure did. Marty drafted me, and I got hurt. And then I was an IR that whole year, and then and then I was cut, uh, sent to Dallas. Um, they released me, didn't think I was going to be ready. And by this time, Marty's in KC, and he's like, come on out here, we'll take you. And um, by that time, I was 100%. I was ready, and and the, uh, he gave me my le legitimate shot, and I took, took advantage of it. Mm -hmm. So here you are, man. You, the success that you had at Oregon, uh, on the football field, on the track, and then you show up at Cleveland, you get hurt, you get released, you go to Dallas, you get cut. What's that do for the psyche? You know, I mean, I know you're a positive guy, but someone who's had nothing but success up to that point, and then now there's this feeling of uh, you know, unwantedness. How, what goes on for you? What, what are the feelings like for you? Well, I think what kept me going was two things, a why. My why was to be able to put myself in a position to – take care of the eventual family that I was going to have. I mean, I was raised in the inner cities of Northeast Portland. Um, I saw a lot of people make decisions that I questioned. It's like they just stayed in the cycle and did the same thing over and over. And so I had a burning desire to do more, to be more, to, to just achieve more. And so when I was dealing with these obstacles, um, I had no desire to quit because I knew I could play. I knew I could make it. I'm looking at the talent. I'm looking at the situation. It just, I needed to get healthy. And so as I was being cut and, and rejected, it was like, 
They were telling me no, but those no's made me hungrier. They made me want it even more. And I remember in Portland running the hills at, you know, I think it was um, Fair, uh, Fair, Fairwood, Fairwood Park or Fair, oh, over off of Ainsworth. I can't, by Adams High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was running hills and I was training to get my knee right. So when I went to KC, Cletus, I knew I was ready. And there was no way I was going to miss out on the opportunity. So I think where some people deal with setbacks differently, you know, um, they change their mind, they lose confidence and shatter their dreams. It made me hungrier. And there was no way I was going to stop until I made it. And you flourished in KC after that. Yeah. I mean, and that thing was weird too, because it was like, I was this free agent guy and I, I ran a four, three, four at the combo at the, uh, mini camp and they were like, whoa, you know, and, and I just, cause I was 5'10", 157. And everybody was looking at my size. Can he play with the big guys? Is he durable? You know, all these question marks. But I wasn't thinking about that. Just get me on the field. And I, I remember just, I was an overachiever. I was diving for balls. I was making big catches. You wanted me to go hit that 260 pound linebacker? I was gonna hit him. I might not win, but I was gonna hit him, you know? But they saw the effort. And then I was a smart player, too. I, I, I quickly learned from the veterans was that learn all the wide receiver positions. If you know all four, when guys get hurt, they start moving guys around. And the more you know, the more opportunities you have to play. And that's what happened in KC. And, uh, you know, I guess you could say the rest is history. Mm-hmm. And you had one veteran there that you played with that obviously is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, what's it like playing with, uh, and, you know, having grown up in the Bay Area, you know, I know Joe is Mr. Mr. San Francisco 49er, but uh, what's it like playing with Joe? Yeah, that was a highlight. And when people ask me, you know, what is one of the more exciting things about your NFL career, since I didn't make it to a Super Bowl, I'd say, well, playing with Joe Montana. And it was kind of weird playing this too. When I first, first practiced in the huddle with Joe, I was like, that's Joe Montana. You know, I used to watch him when I was in the eighth grade. Now I'm in the huddle with him. Um, But it was a great experience because what's that saying? Success leaves clues. Well, I watched this guy like a hawk for two years because I wanted to know what made him successful. What made him one of the great ones? And it was very obvious as I watched his preparation, his work ethic, his his, uh, attitude, his leadership. And he was just a great guy, too, very down to earth, which really impressed me more than anything. He was very approachable. And so we're going to geek out on football here for a second, but what kind of ball did he throw? (laughs) Joe, you know, Joe didn't throw like really tight spirals. Um, It was very deceptive, but he was very accurate. And what I mean is that he had that ability to throw it in an area where the receiver had the best shot to catch the ball rather than the defense. And I can remember the very first practice, you know, I remember in the huddle and they called X hook. So this is Joe's first pass as a chief in practice and I'm X. So I'm like, I'm getting Joe's first pass. Here we go. So I got to run a 12 yard hook. I can run that in my sleep. But I remember I get to the top of my route and Joe hits me in the back of the head with the ball. And I thought, you know, that's kind of weird. And he goes, come here. He goes, I don't wait for you to get open. I've already read the defense. I know where the hole is. So I'm throwing into an area and I expect you to get your head around faster. And when he said that, I knew I was playing with a whole different level of a quarterback 
But it really improved my game and it taught me to be quicker at the top of my route and get your head around faster and know the ball's already coming. So he had the ability to really anticipate, you know, where the wide receiver was going to be. I love it. I love it. Great story. So the success with the Chiefs, uh, you then went on to the Falcons, correct? Mm -hmm. And then your career comes to an end. And was this by your choice or did you, was it an injury or was it just, was it time? It was a combination. I mean, I got hurt my last year in Atlanta, like the second to last game. I tore my other ACL up. So the good knee, I tore that one up. And um, I remember going through rehab and rehab went really well. But just during the course of rehab, I was thinking like, okay, I played nine years. I've had my share of injuries, broken bones and pulled muscles and all that. And I thought, you know, Nine years is really good. If I stop right now, I can get out relatively healthy and start making the transition to life after football, which I was always thinking about. And so once I got healthy, I remember teams were calling and I just made up my mind that I'm done, you know, and and I wanted to be family was a priority. Uh, I had personal goals, my faith, you know, I want to get in the business. There were other things that that put me in a position like I'm ready to make the transition. So I like to say I walked away because I could have kept playing, but um, it was nice to be able to make that decision because as you know, with a lot of athletes, it's hard to know when to say when. And I didn't want to be one of those guys that they were carrying off the field or who they were literally forcing to retire, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, good for you. So, so the career comes to an end and – What's what's like post sports post, you know, as long I mean, you played longer than the vast majority of athletes out there. What's, yeah. What what happens after that? After that point? Well, for me, I think it was about year five, year six. I was thinking about life after football. What was I going to do? I flirted with the idea of coaching. Um, I remember when I was with the Chiefs. During the offseason, I was an assistant track coach at Lee Summit High School uh, for three years. I coached the hurdlers, and I did that for two reasons. One, for my own fitness, mm-hmm. and, and then two, I was trying to see if I wanted to do that. And, and I also spent some time coaching wide receivers. and So I was dabbling that, but I had kind of a love-hate relationship with coaching because I knew that if I wanted to coach, I'd want to go to the higher level. And to do that, you don't have a home life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> coaches have no home life. They might make decent money, but no home life. So I, I realized that that probably wasn't the way I was going to go. I started making contacts in the business world. I remember befriending some doctors in Kansas City who were pulmonologists. And so when I retired, they kind of got me involved in the medical industry. And I became owner of two medical companies uh, called Summit Medical and Summit Rehab. We work with patients that had respiratory problems. So we were providing the CPAP machines and the oxygen tanks for the doctors. And then I had a physical therapy uh, clinic. And then I had a, I was part owner of a company in Atlanta. So what I did was, what I did was I was, I was, I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to own multiple companies. I didn't make a lot of money in my career, but I made enough money to get started. And so I remember Cletus, I invested in like, six different companies. And this was the first mistake I made. I spread myself too thin. I tried to have my hand in so many different businesses that I wasn't able really to focus on them the way I should have. You know, three of them failed 
and then three kind of stayed and I focused on two. So it was quickly a learning curve for me that the dream of being an entrepreneur was great, but I didn't do it right. I tried to do too much too soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the businesses that you got into, were they something um, because you had a drive as an entrepreneur or were they something that you were passionate about? You said, look, I want to get into the medical space. I want to get into the rehab space. Is that was that the reason you dove into that or was it just the desire to get out and get into business? I think it was a you know, combination of both because I, I, I wanted to be in the health and wellness industry at some capacity. How can I help people live a healthier lifestyle? So part of the businesses were because of that. I remember I was part owner of a Velocity Sports, which was a training facility in Portland. I was right. part owner. Yeah, I invested in an a, a internet company called Zippy.com and you know, there was a, I just, it was a combination, but um, again, the mistake was I tried to do too much. And it's one of the advice that I give athletes is that if you're going to invest in something, you got to be fully committed, all in. You know, you, you it needs to be local where you can walk into the office every day and be involved. A lot of my companies were out of state, so I was traveling and on the phone and I wasn't hands-on. So um, definitely learned some lessons there. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the theme of successful career, athletic career, you come out, you dabble, you, you hit some obstacles, you, you have some failures. Between that, you know, obviously we'll, we'll get to where you're at now, but between then and, and where you're at now, uh, you know, like any successful individual, there's, there's failures along the way. How did you handle those failures? And, and more importantly, what was the low point in it all? Yeah, I think for me, the low point for me was, like I said, you know, I, I didn't make a lot of money. I mean, people think that all professional athletes make a gazillion dollars. You know, I had probably two years where I made good money and, and I tried to take that money and invest it properly, you know, and in these in these companies. And I think the low point for me was when I look back at how much I spent on all those companies, I was like, I could have better used that income in other areas or it just made smarter invest investments and so i was really disappointed in myself in that capacity but i was still learning i didn't have a mentor totally to guide me so i was kind of learning through trial and error um but as some of the companies failed two of them did okay my two medical companies in kansas city so i ended up really focusing on those and eventually ended up selling both of them and, and um, made a nice little investment. So um, I got out of it totally and kind of moved in, in a new direction. And where is it? So, so the new direction, where, where are you at today? Well, today I am, I've taken the whole JJ Burden brand and I think with social media, I've really been able to create this brand. And it goes back to where I said, I want to help people live a healthy lifestyle mentally, physically and financially. So I've done that a couple ways. I've been involved in direct sales now for 10 years. I love direct sales. Um, I love the capacity of having control, doing what you want, when you want. I work with a really good company called Isogenics. Great product. So I've been doing that and helping thousands globally. But then I introduced my speaking platform, which was really something I was aiming towards because, as you know, being athletes, We've got so many experiences to share, so many stories, so many lessons, failures, and triumphs that 
I, I wanted to launch a speaking career because I had been speaking since my NFL days. I remember in the NFL during the off season, there were opportunities to speak to schools, organizations, and I wasn't really comfortable speaking, but I thought here's a way I could develop this skill. Cause if you can speak, you know, that can take you a long way. So I started doing some um, speaking during the off season. So I had been doing it for a while, but when I released my book, and this was when the beginning of it, when it started coming together, I had a mentor who I hired, Dr. Will Moreland, who's a leadership trainer, author of like 30 books. I hired him. I said, here's what I want to do. I want to write a book and I want to launch a speaking platform. And since he had did that, he just walked me through the process. And a year and a half ago, I released my first book. When Opportunity Knocks, Eight Surefire Ways to Take Advantage, it became a bestseller on Amazon um, website, and I launched my speaking career after that. And now I'm speaking probably two to three times a month, um, whether it's businesses, schools, organizations, whoever. I could just share a message of how people can seize the opportunities they have every single day. You know, and, and looking on your website, you are right up front. You are, you, uh, are America's number one opportunity trainer. And... Your book is about when opportunity knocks. Opportunity seems to be a theme throughout you and your your, your content. What tell, what is it about opportunity? Tell me more. Yeah, and, and it's primarily because when my mentor was looking at all my videos, because I shoot a lot of coaching points and just sharing content, he talked about how you mentioned the word opportunity all the time. I said, well, because I felt throughout my life I've taken advantages of opportunities high school, college, pro, when people said no, or you didn't belong, or you couldn't do it, I took advantage of it. So I wanted to create a book, a blueprint, kind of like to show people what it takes to achieve any opportunity. And to me, opportunity is a word that can be used for goals, your dreams, what you want, what you want to achieve, anything, you know? So, um, because I've seen people miss out on opportunities. I've seen people grab opportunities and they couldn't maintain it. They lost it. So that was my whole goal is how can I show people here's what it takes to seize and maximize any opportunity that comes your way. And so when I wrote the book, my mentor said, you're like America's number one opportunity trainer. And it stuck. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, and I got to tell you, your videos and the, the frequency at which you just film videos uh, have been an inspiration for me. And I just, I had never done much video. And I got to tell you, I just filmed seven of them this week to start to launch them. So, brother, you've been an inspiration. I appreciate that. And, you know, that's a good thing. And, Cletus, I always tell people, I do a training on, on leap and, and, and creating the trail. And what I mean is that when people Google you and let's say they listen to this podcast and they go by your site, what are they naturally going to do? Let me look up this guy. And if you have that type of content out there, they follow a trail. Oh, let's check out this video. Oh, there's another one. Let's check out this video. And in the process, they learn so much about you and from you. And it just adds so much credibility to what you're doing. And it drives people to you. It's that attraction marketing. So I try to be very congruent with my content so that it's relatable to anybody. So if you're starting to do that, great job. Right on. Hey, uh, back to isogenics. Do you know Michael Klaus up here in, in Seattle? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, a matter of fact, I just got a message from him because the gentleman who sponsored me is sponsored by Michael Klaus. So I, I talk to Michael often. 
Yeah. Okay, good. Because Michael and I used to chat pretty regularly. And he, I remember, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago or, or more, him saying, yeah, I got this new thing I'm trying out. I said, Genix. And uh, he's one of the only people I've, I've heard uh, other than you who, who mentioned Isogenics. So what, what is, tell me about, let people know about Isogenics. So what is it? What type of things you're doing? What's, what's your team look like? Yeah, well, Isogenics is a direct selling health and wellness company uh, owned by Jim and Kathy Coover. And what attracted me to it was first the nutritional products. Um, as I got older, I realized my workouts, I wasn't getting um, the results as I was when I was younger. I needed to change up my nutrition. And so I started researching different product lines out there. And what attracted me to Isogenics was I love that their products were clean and natural. They used no artificial anything. But I also love that they had systems, meaning that if you were trying to lose weight, here's the weight loss system. If it was to improve your performance, here's the weight, here's the performance system. And I know that when you have a system to follow, it eliminates decision fatigue because you know what to take and when to take it. And a lot of people struggle with their their health and wellness goals because they don't know what to eat and how to eat. And so that was the first attraction. But then I'm an entrepreneur too. So I really looked at the company and their success. And I was impressed to see they were like 13, 14 years old. They almost have done a billion in annual sales. They're in 12 countries. And I thought, here's a company that's doing it right. And so, um, so not only am I a consumer, I'm also a, a business builder. So I I got like 6,000 customers in my organization. But what I love about it is I sit down with people and say, what's your goal? What is it you're trying to achieve? And we have five solutions, weight loss, energy, performance, healthy aging, and wealth creation. And based on what their goal is, I just point them in the right direction. And I love it because I can't succeed unless I help other people succeed. Mm-hmm. And you're running your own business. You got your own, you're working out of the house. Yeah. Um, and I, I know you're, you're a huge family guy. And so you yeah. get a chance to spend time with the family. Yeah. yeah. And that's been huge. And that's definitely a why. I've been married 26 years to my college sweetheart, Raina, who I met in Oregon. Uh, we have three children. Um, we took in five nieces and nephews 10 years ago, unexpectedly. Um, and our family expanded from a family of five to a family of 10. So... When people ask me, why do I do what I do? That's a huge portion of it, the family. Uh, And I love your wife. So now share with me how you do it (laughs) with that big a commitment and time and obviously a need to to connect with Raina and and obviously some self-time. How do you manage it all? Well, first I'll tell you, it helps having an incredible wife. <laughs> you know, my wife, I call her mom fabulous. She does it all. I mean, she just juggles everything and she's on point. And, but I'm a very structured person. And I think it's from my NFL days or my football days. As you remember, NFL players were told when to show up, when to work out, when to go to practice, when to go to treatment. And as I retired, I think one of the success principles I've continued to utilize is having a weekly schedule. I have a daily schedule, so I know when I'm doing my calls, when I'm with my family, when I'm working out, when I'm doing whatever I need to do. And and so I I, I schedule everything, and it's allowed me to do the things I need to do when I need to do them. But um, it's worked out well. I mean, obviously, 
not every day is perfect, but when you have those crazy days, I can still look at my schedule and get back on track. Susan Sly, who's a trainer in um, our company, she has this quote I love. She says, the enemy of success is disorganization. So I want to be successful in anything that I do. So I try to stay as organized and structured as possible. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's really refreshing because I've I've talked with numerous athletes who say, you know, I rolled out of sport where it was structured. I knew when to eat, when to show up, when to exercise, when to sleep. And once I got out of sport, I didn't have that schedule over the top of me and I struggled. And, and so I hear that. And what's refreshing is knowing that someone like you who looked at that and said, I can emulate that in my career post sports by simply scheduling and structuring and following what I've always done. Yeah, because athletes we're, we're entrepreneurs. We're of our own body and our own success and and marketing. So, uh, yeah, I can see where you can gravitate towards something like that. Yeah, my, my whole thought every day, you know, Cletus, is how can I be on purpose today? You know, what am I looking to accomplish today? And and every night before I go to bed, I check my schedule on my laptop. It goes right to my smartphone. Like you said, this is my office. I got a virtual office and. Anywhere in the world, as long as I have access to the internet, I can conduct my businesses, So, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, hey, man, as we wrap up, what, what would be, if, if uh, there's a, a former athlete that's listening to you here and, and saying, you know, gosh, you know, JJ had a great career and he's successful afterwards. And here I am, I'm 10 years, 15 years, whatever, post-career, and I'm, I'm struggling to find my passion, my purpose, my opportunity. What, what, what would be some insight or, or advice you could share with someone like that? Well, first thing I probably would say is I, I'd say, you know, sit down with a mentor. Sit down with someone to guide you. Um, there's nothing like having someone who's already walked the road that they're trying to get on. You know, there's, there's no substitute for experience. And when you've got that mentor, they can guide you and help you try to find out what it is you're passionate about, because that's where you got to start. And in my book, that's chapter one. What is your passion? What is your why? What excites you? What motivates you? What is it that drives you? And only they can answer that question. They got to find out what that is. And once you find out what it is, then they have to put a plan together. You got to have a plan, some kind of strategy, some kind of plan that's going to take you from point A to point B. And then the last one, you know this one, you got to do the work. You got to do the work. It doesn't matter how great you were in college or the NFL or whatever. It's a new ball game. You've got to do the work. But as athletes, I believe we have a competitive advantage, especially with the emergence of social media. We all are a brand. We have a brand. We have this built-in brand because many of us have been in a game, a sport that you know uh, many people would love to do. And because of that, people know us. They respect us. And I'd say really... Learn how to build that brand online. Learn how to create content that attracts people to you because you never know the opportunities that can come your way. And um, But that's, that's pretty much what I would say. And it's a shame sometimes when I see athletes struggling like this and I just wish that they would reach out to people like myself, like you, who could steer them in the right direction because there's some great opportunities out there for everyone. Mm -hmm. Great insight. And, and knowing that, uh, we're all on this journey together and we're all learning and failing and succeeding and, and gathering the knowledge along, along the way. 
And, and yeah, I, I really wish likewise people would reach out to us and, and, uh, and connect and see how we can support each other. You know? so, Absolutely. And I want to continue to support you along your journey. So I'm super grateful that you took the time and, and uh, gave me the opportunity to come in and, and jump on the podcast. How can people connect with you? How can they get in touch with you or learn more about what you're doing or your business? Yeah. Well, the first thing is go to my website, jjburden.com. That's the hub. You have access to me. Um, you have access to what I'm doing as a speaker, as a best-selling author. You can get my book there. Um, I even have something that's become very popular. I call it the Burden Report. It's my way of releasing content, you know, once or twice a month, motivational content to help people, you know, achieve their goals in life. So you can sign up for my newsletter. They're on my webpage. Um, I'm all over social media under the name JJ Burden, you know, use the name, that's the brand. So love to connect with people, love to advise and help. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great, think about it, Cletus. If they had social media when we were athletes back in the day, that would have been pretty cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then of course your book, When Opportunity Knocks, Eight Surefire Ways to Take Advantage is on Amazon, it's on your website. Yeah, yeah. It's best to get it from my website because I'm still signing the ones ordered through my website. Okay. So, and, and the book's for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're young, old, male, female. It does not matter. I wrote it in a way that it's going to appeal to everyone. So uh, you'll definitely be inspired, motivated to go out there and crush your goals. Okay. And I'll put all this in the show notes. So uh, if you're listening uh, on the road, you can... Uh, when you get a chance, check the show notes and every way to connect with JJ. JJ is on there. So, hey, man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And great to reconnect. I love what you're doing. I love the theme of recovering athlete. There's, there's so many people that can use the content that you're out there sharing. So keep up the good work. Man, I love this guy. Uh, JJ was fantastic to have on. Great to chat with both here on the, on the podcast as well as off. And I tell you what, there's a couple lessons that we can take away from some of the things that he has done and, and the opportunities that he has, he has jumped on. And, you know, first and foremost, the guy, if you remember being an athlete, and he mentions it on there when he says, we were told what to do, where to go, what time to be there, what to bring, how to show, you know, everything was structured. And I, I was the opposite of him. I didn't take that with me and for whatever reason I, I don't know I, I didn't do it and so when I left sport I, I was a bit lost and he was very good about saying yep I embraced it I took it and I created have mentioned his weekly structure and his quote saying you know I want to be successful in everything I do so I tried to be structured in it and I think that that is a, a key that I definitely a big takeaway for me is, is you know being having that structure you know, he also is diversified. You know, he is maximizing his talents. He talked about speaking while he was still playing football to maximize that skill. And he's gone off and done that and found a mentor to help guide him through the process of getting to be a professional speaker. And so he's got that. He has his direct sales and allows him to be the team captain of his team and, and lead them. And so, you know, he's got businesses, business ventures from his from when he you know, first stopped playing football to where he is now that really seemed to maximize him and his skill sets and his ability. And that's something that it's a recurring theme that I'm seeing for former athletes or gosh, for anybody in general is doing things that are in alignment with kind of intrinsically who you are, what you like, who you, 
want to be, the lifestyle you want to create. And you know, this guy was able to pick up and, and move you know, essentially eight of his children to to Arizona in because he wanted to create the lifestyle that uh, he and his family could all benefit from. So, uh, you know, gosh, it, it's uh, there's a lot of nuggets in there, and I was just I was excited to have him on and and uh, kind of see, follow him along his journey. So, uh, again, to reconnect with JJ Burden, uh, obviously at his website jjburden.com. Uh, when opportunity knocks, eight surefire ways—excuse me, eight surefire ways to take advantage—is on his website. Uh, sounds like he'll even autograph it for you. So, take advantage of that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, the best way for you to help support the recovering athlete and more, uh, you know, insight and knowledge is to support the, the process here. So, please. Provide me any feedback that you have. If you have potential guests that you that you suggest I bring on, man, shoot them my way. Shoot me an email. Uh, connect with me. I'm at Cletus Coffee on all social media. Uh, if you uh, would be so kind to just man, leave a comment, uh, give me a, a, a review, subscribe to the podcast, uh, that would be fantastic. Again, that helps me uh, know who's out there, who wants this, who likes the content, so I can do more of that. So, again, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate the support. Uh, Thank you for subscribing and and the reviews and and obviously the comments and the encouragement to continue to do more of this. So, again, uh, thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Everyone deserves to enjoy a McRib at least once in their lifetime. Because when you're this saucy and tangy and tasty, a life without one creates a serious case of FOMO. The McRib is back. Don't miss the classic you've been craving. Get a McRib, filet of fish or Big Mac, and get another for a dollar. Or mix and match. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.